Hello, everyone. Once again, we are here at the, the Invisible Podcast Show. And today we have a special guest. You know, I, I wrote down a few things about him here just to make an introduction, introduction to make it a little bit easy. But uh, now he's a Bulgarian international player. Now he played a lot of times for Bulgaria. We can talk about it later. He's qualified coach, master degree in football management, UEFA MIP. He got his own foundation. Can I explain a little bit later. He's my friend, Cilian Petrov. Thank you very much, my friend, to accept to join and on this, uh, this conversation with me and Tim Chase. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure. And this is the main thing. You finish with a friend, which is uh, the most important thing for, for me. So we managed to uh, really understand each other through our MIP. You mentioned it earlier. And we became closer. Uh, we understood much about our individuals. And, uh, you know, we become friends, which is the most important thing, Gilberto. Yeah, this even, is great. Even you... Even you, when you were kicking in uh, again, when you were playing against me, so I forgive you for that. Not that much. Still <laughs> in. So, what was it like to play against Gilberto? And I'll ask Gilberto the same thing. So, what was it like playing against Gilberto? Uh, very difficult because he was a very clever player, uh, technically very, very gifted. He had a great awareness around the pitch. So, he was uh, always uh, one move ahead of everybody else. His positioning on the on the field of uh, on and off the ball was was perfect. So to really play against uh, against him was really challenging. Uh, I had to really study the way he was playing, how he was moving around the pitch, what is his weaknesses. I couldn't really find many many weaknesses, <laughs> but uh, but it was all it was always difficult. And uh, he was playing in a very very strong team, very strong team, which made him even more more dangerous. Nice. And Gilberto, what was it like to play against Stylian? Uh, similar because always Pat Rice uh, spoke to us about about ceiling. You know, pay attention, Petro. Pay attention, Petro. I heard it many, many times. Every time I had to play against him, against Villa, and uh, of course you have to 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 be alert and uh, find out the way how he cope with that. But he, he was very smart. You know, he didn't get, have much kick. On, on his uh, his own, but not many, because he was very smart. Well, I couldn't. I, I I had to be smart because I couldn't yeah, yeah. run faster. You better, you know that. So we talked about it before. <laughs> yeah, he was here in your mind. I think always. Gilberto, I saw you tweeted yesterday that Stillian was kindly coming to join us, and you know the little figures that you get. I think I've, I've got actually got a Gilberto Silver one here. These little figures. I saw it. I okay. saw it. Yeah, Number so, yeah. 19th. Yeah, they, they, some, a guy tweeted, he's got a Stillian Petrov and a Gilberto one. Uh, and he said that my two favorite number 19s ever. So that was quite nice. Hey, we, we, play, we, we managed to play together on our MIP every time uh, by end of the week we, we played the game. So Gilberto was my team a few times. So we did look uh, well together. So I wish we could have played together as well when we, when we, when we could have run better. <laughs> I could I could be much better running a bit faster <laughs> I guess I'm a friend um, so when we're gonna go I'm gonna talk a little bit about football and I always like to just you know understand a little bit how was it for you back in I think in Montana if I'm not wrong in Bulgaria somewhere if the, the information are correct on the internet 
How was it to play yeah. football when you were a kid? You know, how it started for you? Is something that, uh, you know, uh, you grew up and watch other players and you said to yourself, oh, this some looks like something I want to, to play, you know, this kind of game. Not professional when you are a kid, but uh, grow up, play football. Uh, I didn't really have a choice. Uh, my grand, my grandfather was working at the stadium. My father was um, was a footballer as well, and my mom was a PE teacher. So I, I didn't really have a choice. I could, I have to be good at school as well because my my mom was my uh, PE teacher. So I had to be in the best behavior, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. Nice. But uh, like I said earlier, I I didn't really have a choice. My dad, uh, my dad believed that. I can become a footballer. He worked really, really hard with me. He was one of these old-fashioned uh, dads. He will be angry when you when you don't train well or you don't play well. He will make me walk home, uh, and he'll drive with the car behind me just to make and show me that I have to analyze my games and make sure I realize what I do wrong, how I can get better. So he was very demanding. He will come and watch every single training. He will watch every single game. We will analyze every single session, every movement that I've made, every pass that I've made, why I've made the pass. He, he wanted to, me to realize what I was doing wrong, what I can do better and how much I can practice. So he will do over and over the analysis on a game and training session, game, training session. At one point, I just didn't want to go in the car. I just, I just, wanted, I just wanted to walk. I didn't want, I didn't want him to speak to me. But... Uh, it was, it was a very small town, so um, I made my debut when I was 16. I had the pleasure to play through every single age group in the national team, which I was, I was very proud. I always played with, uh, with the older boys. Uh, I made my debut when I was 16, professional debut. I was in school, so I was pulled out from a, a maths le lesson. So it was a really proud moment for me. It was a, it was a club where my dad was playing and uh, I only had the pleasure to, to play for, a, for about a year and then I moved on. But what I remember from growing up in Montana is about the freedom, enjoyment, uh, having my friends uh, beside me, uh, enjoying playing football. Uh, I would, um, you know, these days you see a lot of young players will, will go and train one hour, one and a half hour, and they go back home and that, that, they think that's enough. I mean, I'm sure you, you're the same, you better. You, that's your training. And after that is the hard work, playing on the streets, playing against your mates, getting kicked, getting in the mud. Uh, it's raining. You playing until eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the evening. You can hardly see. This is where we became better. That's where we become stronger. And that's why growing up in a smaller city, it helped me develop as an individual and as a player as well. That is for me very not that much pressure <laughs> because there's a lot of pressure for you dealing with uh, your father, you know, make all the analysis, you know, because in football we have uh, enough pressure to play the game, to perform. But, uh, you know, I, okay, I think this is the way he, you know, he wants to push you to, to help you somehow. But I, in my case, you know, I grew up in a very small village. It was really good because we, we have the freedom to walk around. Everyone knows each other. And go up on the street, play with my cousins, friends, and in school. But, uh, you know, football just became a little bit serious for me. When I had my first trial, I was 16 back in 
wow, it was a long time ago, in 93. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time and, ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was trying to remember, you know. Then uh, things change. Uh, I came back work, you know, after five months, work in a switch factory for two and a half years. Just came back to, to the club again when I was 19 years old. And then things, you know, went a little bit faster, if I may say that. You know, it's uh, on, on a different, you know, this, um, I think this opportunity to be on, in the streets with friends, have the freedom, practicing as some uh, technical in a club, but have this awareness of the street helped me a lot. When I came to football to, let's say, to read properly the, the, the dressing room, have the awareness, what I can do in a good way that can can help me. But also to understand, you know, the other side of the other guys, you know, different cultures, backgrounds, and be more, let's say, social, not think that everything's just around me. Yeah, you said about prayer. How, how was the, the, the feeling for you? You know, because uh, having this pressure, but uh, playing a very young uh, age in your first club, how was the feeling? You know, having this opportunity to be there. I was, uh, I was nervous. Um, uh, no long ago, uh, I was speaking with uh, young players and we were talking about a debut, about what is the best to play under 23 or go on loan and play. I loved being, uh, I loved being in the first team dressing room. First day when I walked in, uh, picked up from school, I went to the first team dressing room. I never trained with, with the guys. Uh, I sat down and I was very nervous. You know what? Sometimes there where you have to go to the toilet every two minutes and you pretend that you, you have to go. No, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to look anybody in the eyes. I was very worried. Um, I was very anxious. I was very nervous about me being, not playing. I knew I could play. Just being around in that environment because I could see some of those players who I watched every single week. I I'll go and, you know, when I finish training, I'll go and watch the first team and I'll see some of their big players and I'll look up to them. And all of a sudden, I was part of that environment. So for me, it was really strange. It was really scary. I was looking down. I was, I was, I was uh, uh, touching my laces. I was, I was just looking everywhere else, but not in people's eyes. I just couldn't, I just couldn't bear it. So now, Sometime when I when I grow up and I became more experienced players, I always remember that. I always remember how I felt when I walked into the first team. Uh, what was the feeling? Uh, how anxious uh, anxious I was. So it was really difficult for me uh, because also the pressure was on me. My dad was a, a former footballer. Uh, he played really well for the team, and everybody was was expecting me to play well, to do something. So everybody was looking at me as as what you're going to show us. So the pressure was always there, but talking about the pressure, I was okay with the pressure. I enjoy the pressure because I remember when I was younger and I always talk about my dad putting pressure on me. I remember we played one of the big teams. I was, uh, I think, under 14. We played and my dad was saying, obviously, you're making a, a little bit of attention now. Uh, people know you now. You're playing with the bigger boys. So you've come down with the, with the younger boys, with your age. So be careful. They'll target you. And I say, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. No problem with that. 30 seconds, I got kicked. Break my arm. Guess what? My dad, my dad didn't talk to me until I got back training. Really? I, my dad wouldn't call me. And 
later on in my career, when I when I'll sit down and I'll have a beer with him, uh, I love having a beer because he just yeah, he still analyzes. You know, even if I play over thirty five games, you still analyze my games and you tell me what I do wrong. So <laughs> we have a great relationship. Uh, so I ask him why, and he said, "You have to realize that you have to be smarter. You have to understand your position. You have to understand your strength. You have to know how to approach certain games. Sometimes you don't have to go full full power into the games. You have to be more cautious." know your, who you're playing against. So this was the learning step for me to understand how I can become better because I wasn't the talented one. I was a little uh, small kid, a little bit overweight. So I had to really work harder than everybody else. I had so many players more talented than me. They never made it. They never played the, uh, they never played the professional football. And we still get together. They still talk about, wow, how did you make it? And you know what, you've got certain things in your character that, you know, makes you better and different than others. And the resilience, the dedication, the composure, you know, this makes you different. And sometimes that's why people talk about that, you know, talent is not enough to, to make it. So for me, for me, was that the case? I had to really put the work and understanding of how to become better. And I mean, you're better, you know, the players, I had great idols as well. I mean, I had Hristo Stoichkov, Balakov, Lechkov, they played in, in big teams at that time, Barcelona, Sporting, Lisbon. So I wanted to be like somebody else. By being like somebody else, I wanted to understand how to get to their level, how to get closer to them. So uh, I, I had to learn in a different way. Uh, my dad was a bit, uh, played a big part and he was very influential uh, of what I wanted to do and how what I wanted to become. So I was kind of, Lucky, I would say. Do you think that your dad analysing all your football helped you or hindered you? I think he, overall it helped me because he created a very good habits for me. He created the habits that I became strong, stronger, made me stronger. I would even through a, a difficult time, I, I would always analyze. I knew what my strength is, what I had to work with. Is it physical or technical, awareness, tactical? So... I always knew what I had to do, which made it easier for me. At the start, it was very difficult because, you know, as a young, oh, you <laughs> young kid, yeah, as a young, as a young kid, that's what we do with the, with the young uh, players these days. We don't realize that it's a, a learning process and we have to be patient. But my dad wasn't patient. My dad was like, I can see you've got it. I've, I have to get it out of you. So for me, it was difficult, but I, I understood. And you learn. You learn what you want to become. And uh, obviously, I become better. And I, I start to understand why his demand was so high. Interesting. So do you think it meant that you think, can you see your, yourself doing the analytical stuff? Like you mentioned, you would have your training session, then you go and watch the first team and watch them. Do you think that analytical kind of mindset that your dad brought to you and was doing with you, do you think you actually subconsciously started doing that in your game when you were from, from quite a young age? Yeah, of course, because uh, he always made it clear with you, you. If you think you're doing well, you know that others will do better than you. So whoever you face is your midfielder, is your fullback, is your centre-back. You have to understand how they play, what their weakness is, what was their position of the ball, on the ball. Obviously, I mentioned uh, Gilberto earlier, you know, how I, I needed to get to his game. You know, sometimes you, you drop very deep, you pick the ball and you, you, you play the right passes or start the right attacks. But sometimes you have the late runs into the box. So for me, it's understanding... What was the t when is he uh, when when he makes his runs? Is he wait when somebody pull away when the striker pull away into the channel when they create space? He, how late he, he comes uh, to the uh, into the box? 
So for me, I had to analyze that. And at that time when I was growing up, I mean, the modern football at the moment, you've got analysis, analysis uh, all the analysis go through the club. You know what the opposition, that wasn't our, when we were growing up. We yeah. had to do, we had to do uh, on our own, but I had the good education about football and I've managed to understand in a different way. Interesting. Thank you. No problem at all. Stephen, I understand some of uh, the difficulties you're having because it had to do with depression. My, might have been a little bit difficult for you because, as you mentioned, I didn't want to go into the car. You know? I just want my dad to be my dad, you know? not my coach. <laughs> but I, there are some difficulties <laughs> we, we face you not know, to play football. I had uh, a lot of difficulties as well because I had to work in the factory. And then when I go back to the football, I was late. You know, I had to catch up to everyone. I had to train, do extra training. You know, and, you know these difficulties you have. You know, when do you what would you say, you know, through your experience for the younger players nowadays, you know, uh, when they have some difficulties, what, you know, kind of advice would you, would you tell them? Trust yourself, uh, believe in the process. And if you think that uh, outwork, uh, you, uh, you can outwork everybody else, think again. You have to become smarter and you have to surround yourself with the right people so you can get the right advices and they can, they can help you progress and get better. Is that friends? Is that coaches? Is that people that want to be around you? If you surround your, your, uh, yourself with the right people and you believe in a process and you trust uh, that process, then I don't think you have a problem as, as a young player because then you're going to have the right focus and attitude to succeed. Because then, you know, facing these difficulties, you know, it's, it's a process in all our career. You know, every time, anywhere we, we are, you know, we go, because then you have to, to go for another challenge, you know, at Sofia. This, um, this challenge you face you know, at the beginning, the process went through. When you live there, you believe that make your team and be successful then to achieve, you know, a different steps in your career? Uh, yeah, you, you know what? We always get asked the, the question, do you, do you ever say it, uh, that's enough? I've, I've, I've made it, I, I've succeeded. Every time I had a move, obviously, from school into the first team, they're playing for a couple of months, then I've moved into the, one of the biggest teams in, uh, in Bulgaria. Bear in mind, when I moved in, I was only 17, and uh, they, they had 14 international players. They were all playing the national team. They all, all had a great experience. So I walked in in that dressing room, and I felt like, oh, my God. I've, that, what I've experienced in, in Montana, it was nothing compared here. I mean, the intensity, the demand, the, the sacrifices from these players to be the top because they were the champions. They just won the double uh, uh, in Bulgaria. And I was just a young boy. So that when I walked in first time, they look at me. And, you know, when you, when you see a young boy walking into that dressing room, there's the questions of what character he is. Can he make it? Is he going to be a good part of that, of that team? They start judging you straight away. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, what are I thinking? What, what I have to do to impress them? So it was very difficult. I had the time to, to adjust and adapt because um, I knew some of the players, obviously, from, from the under-21. So they've helped me to, to go through that transition. But when you think that you go there and you, you actually you make and you, everything going to start, then I had to stop football. I had to join the national service. So for me, it was like six, six months I, I couldn't play football. So signing for CSK, I've done a preseason. 
I've played about nine games and they had to join the, the national service. So all of a sudden, I was like, how am I going to play football again? How long were you in the national service for? Uh, 18 months. Wow. 18 months. It was really difficult. I mean, this is for the t- first time teenager. You move into one of the biggest teams that you shave your head, you get the full uh, equipment, you've got your, your gun, so you become a, a soldier. So every morning we'll, we'll be singing the national anthem, we'll be, we'll be running, we'll be practicing. But what I've learned in the national service is about teamwork, respect, dedication, sacrifices, and what is a, what is a team success? Mm-hmm. Because in the army, it's about everybody together. One mess up, we, we all mess up. I mean, I'll tell you a story, guys. Is one, we, we about eight, eight and six in the room. So six in the room, if anybody mess it up, everybody in the room get punished. So what I what I done is um, the captain, obviously we messed it up as a, as a room. So he say, you have to clean the fourth floor building. So he will put 20 sobs into a bucket and he will just put the, the, the water down from the fourth floor to the, from the bottom. So you can imagine the amount of soap that you have to scrub. The soon we we done it for about 14 hours. I mean, after 10 hours, we nearly there. So so what he did, he went with the second bucket and he threw it again. So what what that teaches us is about that you have to act together. So every morning we have to shave. Every morning we have to make our beds. Every morning we have to we have to be on time. You can't be late. That's why, Jim, I was never late. That's why I'm never late. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was saying at the beginning of the call, I was just setting up and Zoom was on. And Stillian, popped right. up. Stillian popped up before I'd even set up the microphones and the cameras and everything. And I was saying that he's the first person ever to be, not only be on time, but also be early. Uh, is, you can guarantee Jabot is the last person to join our calls whenever we do the podcast. Hey, you've got, you've got the right to do that. But now you can, uh, you can understand... Uh, how the learning process worked for for a young for a young uh, for a young lad because I was a young boy, uh, I I haven't had the experience. I, I I moved to the big city. I was living on my own. Uh, I mean, the big city is where the life is. That where everybody wants to be. The big team. We had twenty thousand every 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 game. I'm moving from three thousand in in a game to twenty thousand. So it's a big jump. The pressure is next. We had a very strict uh, manager. I was a little bit a wild, wild boy. I wasn't, uh, you know, going to bed at, at the right time sometimes. So, but I always had that dedication and different approach to everybody else. Doesn't matter if I go to bed or not go to bed. I'll always be first in training. I'll always be after everyone in training. I'll always practice. So, whoever people can say, he don't do that or do that. I always professional when I step when my foot stepped on the pitch. That was it because I've loved playing football. That was me. That was me. And it's interesting what you mentioned about, you know, this experience uh, in, in this, uh, this camp, because uh, if somebody mess up, you know, I had to clean all the floors. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when, when I was 16, I went to the camp, you know, football. I didn't have to go to, to the army like you or many other guys and in Brazil. I arrived in a, in a, in a football camp. You know, to live there in, in the capital, we had a, I had to share the room with I think seven other other boys. You know, uh, double beds and and so on. I remember my mattress was a bit hard, but on the side there is a hole. I I 
I found out this hole and then I said to myself, mm, this is a place where I can put my wallet there. Nobody will touch it, it will be safe. I put my wallet there, I went for train station. When I came back, where is my wallet? It's not there anymore. <laughs> There's no money. <laughs> I just find out that I all my money. And uh, I was uh, upset, but uh, you know, some of the guys had a problem until they found who was the, the responsible for that. And then they, they just meet this guy. But uh, in this process, sometimes it happened. But in this for a, on a very bad occasion, you know, because this uh, young boy that did it uh, with me and some other boys, you know, he never made it. You know, it's a kind of discipline you don't have, a kind of respect. Because football is about this, about respect, about discipline, about uh, supporting the other guys, you know, to, to help the other uh, go forward. You know, this is, for example, in our experience at MIT, this is how we learn, you know. We didn't know it, many of us, when we get there, but we became very close during the process. And this experience for me was, you know, I always thought about that sometimes. You know, I always laughed because, but I was very angry when it happened because later on, this guy just showed up in the, in the camp, you know, nice clothes, nice trainers, and uh, we need to get him. <laughs> They definitely got you. But they definitely got he you. He probably put that hole. He probably put that hole in the mattress for people to put their wallets in, and just went round to everybody's thing, thinking everybody put their wallets in there. I never put it okay. there again. How big? How big was the hole? I, I didn't just was like a trap. You know, the, the hole was a trap. Something, <laughs> <laughs> you know, big enough to to put my arm and leave the the wallet. <laughs> Love it. But I Love never it. did it again. It looks like a trap, you know. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like it. It was funny you mentioned that MIP. I mean, it was really interesting course for us, and uh, we became really strong individuals. We became we 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 built up great relationships, great friendships, which made us stronger, not just in individuals but uh, all together. Because it was something that we we never experienced. We're going back going back to school when you when you're at that age and uh, finding out what is what is important in in other side of football. So for us was. What a great experience. And we had great chats. We had great conversation. And we managed to, to see football from a different side. A totally different way. Uh, because we start to think about our actions, about things we should have done in a different way. But, uh, you know, on our time, football, you know, the football people uh, teach us in the way we were taught in, in, the, in, this, in this course. Honestly, I, I would love you know, in the past, when I was younger, uh, have some kind of course that helped me to think better, on a better way, how to manage uh, manage my time better, how to to concentrate better, how to see my game on a better way, on a different way. But sometimes we are there in football, just talk about football the next day. But, you know, in this strategy, how can I be better? How can I make the analysis of my own game, the way I play? But, you know... This course, you know, uh, was incredible, you know, as you mentioned, you know, because uh, very important the way they, they, they helped us in this process we are, you know, in the transition time from football, uh, football player to whichever we decide to do, you know. Some of us Transi are in a different, uh, doing this, this transition, you know, some became managers, was director, you know, but I'll talk to you a little bit about uh, the project you are in a few minutes. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the experience you have, because after Sofia, 
SSKA Sofia. You went you you went to Celtic and then uh, Villa. You know when because we had to play each other. But tell us, you know, the experience in the both clubs, you know, and uh, the, the the comparison between them, the challenge you face, you know, uh, people that really influence you on a you know uh, in these clubs. I love my time in both clubs. I had difficult time uh, at the start of both clubs. Two clubs with a rich history. Two Euro European champions, uh, champions, trophy holders as well. That won, obviously, Aston Villa won the league in England, and obviously uh, Celtic uh, Scotland. So I had the pleasure to play uh, under uh, clubs with uh, with a rich rich history, with high demands, with a big fan base. So I was, I, I would say, I was one of the one of the lucky ones. I've played for Celtic for for seven years, and I've played for uh, Villa seven years uh, as well. So I've got quite equal time with with them. But I've managed to play through that through my time. I went through a very difficult time, but most of I'd say ninety percent of my time was was very enjoyable, very successful. I had the pleasure to play some great uh, with some great players. I've created some great friendships. And um, I can say that I wasn't happy with how my career went and what I've managed to to achieve. I had that pleasure to play to, to uh, in with two great clubs. So uh, overall, I would say I enjoyed it at both clubs. I've had most of the time under Martin O'Neill, which I have a a very strong, very good relationship. Great manager, great person uh, as well, which made a, a big difference for me. He knew me. He knew when to push me. He knew how to get the best out of me. And uh, he knew how to challenge me in every single moment, if I was playing well or not playing well, and how to be better for the team. So I've learned a lot. I've, I went as a young boy and I've managed to mature and I've managed to achieve quite a lot as individual and as a player as well. Martin O'Neill seemed like quite a strong personality also. I don't know him even a little bit as well as you, but I know some stories. Can you, should I, can you tell us any stories about your time with Martin O'Neill? Well, the good, the good ones or the bad ones? Because One he's been shouting to tell, He's been shouting to <laughs> Uh, I always, it was always good, you know, always um, when I moved from Celtic to Villa, all the boys at Villa were saying to me, oh, your dad, and you know, he's bringing me here. But actually, when I was, at, people forget that when I was a Celtic, I was the youngest one of the, of the team. Me and Martin only had a great relationship about what I'm doing on a pitch because I had other more experienced player, players like Henry Klassen, Chris Sutton, John Hudson, Neil Lennon, Paul Lambert. I can go on and go on. So very uh, strong individuals at, at the good age. So I was the youngest. So for me, it was about performing, making the manager happy. So in Celtic, I never had really a problem with him. Only once when yes. I see I refused when I when I refused um, when I refused to sign the contract. So I've done an interview the day before before the, one of the games against the United. And I've I've obviously spoke with the journalists and I've I spoke about me not signing the contract and. You know, I'll, I'll look for a better deal. So on the way to the game, he, he wouldn't talk to me. He would just pass me, but you won't say anything. So I can see, I can see he's not happy. So he made me travel with the team. He didn't play me. He didn't play me. I was on the bench. Then uh, after the game, we drew the game. So he couldn't pick to anyone. So I wasn't, I wasn't even playing. I wasn't even part of the game. So you pick points and see a new, a new young man asking for more money. To get more money from me, you have to perform better. And he just turned around and walked out <laughs> without even saying anything to anyone. I'm like, oh my God. So everybody just laughing. They're just laughing. <laughs> he just left the, the dressing room. And I'm like, this is Martin O'Neill. This is 
He's showing you I'm the boss. Mm. You are not telling me what to do. I'm the one who made the decision if you worth it or don't worth it. So I've learned my lessons very quickly. I managed to understand him as a, as a person and what his demands are. So for me, it was a good learning, uh, another good learning lesson. Yes. I, you know, I ask about those two, you know, because I see you play most, most of the time in your career. I, I believe that is a very special feeling for both of them because they were very important for you as well as the others. But uh, both of them, you know, because you play longer, is special. Would you return, I don't know, to be a manager at, at some point in one of those clubs? I'd love to. I'd love to one day. I, uh, I, I was uh, obviously, when I retired, I was, I was forced to retire. And uh, I had couple, a couple of years which uh, I really wanted to find out what I really want, what my transition is going to be, how I'm going to proceed going forward, uh, what, I, what I wanted to become. Because as you mentioned uh, earlier, Gilberto, is we get lost in our transition. is what we want to become. I mean, everybody wants to be a manager and everybody wants to be a media. Yeah, but we forget that uh, so many players retire every year. Everybody wants to do the same thing, so it's very, it's very difficult. I went through all my coaching badges, which took me took me nearly three and a half years, which is it's a long period of time if you want to become a manager. I've done every single one of them. Uh, I'd like to experience it one day. I've actually had couple of um, couple offers in different parts of the world. I didn't think it was the right uh, right opportunity for my family, for myself, for the people that for for my staff that I would like to work with as well. So I definitely had a couple opportunity. I haven't found the right one, but I'll I'll probably like it one day to to experience that. I'd love to see how it is. And uh, to be honest, we love pressure. That's what that's what we we built from. Eh? Yeah, you better. We it's about pressure with it. That's we be under pressure all our life, like becoming footballers, achieving, you know, getting better and better. So I'd like to try. I hope I I'll have that opportunity and find the right project to to be part. of. Would you like to be a, a manager, Gilberto? Well, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But um, before, I always thought more about it, you know, when I was in the game to become a sports director. And I became a sports director at Panathinaikos back in 2016 for six months only. And then I left uh, my job, you know. I decided to leave, you know, like, you know on a, in a tough circumstance. I spoke to the president, oh, it's time for me to go. Thank you very much for the opportunity, but uh, I need to move on. And then I started to, to work with Fred, being his agent. He was um, at Shakhtar Donetsk at the moment, and I, he wants to know somebody else. He didn't have anybody. And uh, he came to me to a, a friend's recommendation. To a friend of recommendation came to me and I spoke. I said, listen, I don't know. I've never been an agent before. <laughs> I just finished my job at Panathinaikos. And uh, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but, I, well, I believe I can help you. But don't ask me now, because if you ask me now, I don't have answer. And let me work and I'll find a way to help you. Because he wants to, to move to England from Shakhtar. Let me start the process. How I became a football agent. I don't like sometimes to use the, the word agent, you know? I like to use like, um, I don't know. Advisor? Advisor? Advisor, something like this, you know? I, I like yeah. to do. <laughs> <laughs> I like to use this word, you know, for me, it suits better. I don't know why, but uh, this is how I chose. And uh, then it started to work and there was a process when he was uh, in, in Ukraine until he moved to England, almost one and a half, basically one and a half year working 
to make things happen. But uh, it just happened because he did very well on the pitch. He helped uh, Shakhtar very much, was one of the best players. You know, and uh, from outside now is uh, how to help him uh, perform better, advising him, giving the right advice, supporting him, because sometimes players want to talk, when, especially when things don't, do not go well on the field. He struggled in his first season, and the second was better. Now he's, he looks much, much better. But you know, it's a different way of work. You, know? you have to, uh, when we spoke about uh, MIP, oh, MIP helped me a lot with some other course I have done before. You do what I'm doing now, advising players I work with. Because um, when I, I always remember when I was there, I didn't have much of this advice, you know, and uh, people who just talk to you, you know, at the same level. Because I talk to them at the same level. When it starts to go, oh, the coach, blah, 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 the coach, what about you? I always turn to them, you know, I, I, I ask questions for them to think how they can become better but take their own responsibility as well. It's always important. But it's very challenging, you know? You don't know how to do things at the beginning. Maybe one day, I don't know when, but uh, I, maybe I, I would like to, to return as a sports director at some point. Maybe on a bet, better structure and on different uh, circumstances. Can be. I never put this, you know, I say no to this if I have opportunity at some point. But at the moment, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm concentrated on what I'm doing, supporting the young players. I'm feeling happy doing what I'm doing. And this is... Uh, this. And this is important because it, it's important when you go through that transition and you retire, you want to, you have to find your a different um, identity and you have to find something that you wake up and enjoy doing, something like your hobby, something with another purpose. And uh, yeah, it's, I've seen you in action uh, and I, I believe that you will be a very good sporting director, Burberry, because you, first of all, you, you, you know football, you, now you understand what, what the structure of a football club, what, is, what it demands, how you need to proceed. And I've seen you in action, you know, going through that course, uh, seeing you every day, getting stronger, getting better, getting more knowledgeable. This is this is something that uh, a lot of players should do because what you do, uh, and you, you just say to yourself, is at the moment you enjoy what you're doing, but then you've got so many possibilities out there and you've done it to yourself because not, not many players will have the same possibilities to be in the different jobs and have different uh, experiences to proceed in a different different way. And you definitely have that, which is which is great to see. So you've spoken about this MIP course. Do you guys want to, one of you want to say what the course was? Because so there'd be people listening to this that won't know what the MIP course is, and I'm and I will be one of them. I know a little bit after sports and Gibato, but could you guys explain what it is a little bit? Yeah, MIP, you know, is that the course that we have data uh, made for X player, and it's been so very good, you know, very important because uh, after that tour, I think they are in the third edition. If I'm not wrong. Correct, Third edition, yes. And uh, yeah, many of the ex-players now, some of them became a sports director. We have from the first group, Juninho at Lyon, Sports Lyon, um, Olympique Lyon, who are Sebastian Sebastian, Sebastian Cahill, yeah. Uh, from our group, we have um, who do, Maxwell was at uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, Luis Garcia, guys come in the This is society. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. I'll tell you what, some, <laughs> some great games by end of the week. I bet. You know, the, the top players, but uh, 
apart from top players, everyone was you know, top people. I think this is important. This we need in football, quality people. Let's you know, understand the game and go back to the game. This is what I tell my, my, my friends from football. You know, when they are thinking to retire and not do anything about football, I say, change your mind. I, I, one day I was thinking the same way. But after I retired, I realized that my words, football, is my blood, in my vein, in my soul. You cannot change the nature of yourself, you know. What you can do is learn to improve yourself, to learn different skills. This is what we have done. But still, continue our conversation. Tell me a little bit what uh, the family means to you in your life. It's huge. Uh, it's huge for me. Obviously, uh, I come from a, a strong family. I always believe that family is, is something that keeps you right. Um, I've, uh, I've managed to find uh, a great lady that she's beside me still. Uh, this year, we are 20, 20 years marriage. We've got two kids, which is uh, one of them just turned 18. The other one is 13, two boys. I'm really happy and I'm proud because I work really hard. I sacrifice. I know what it takes to to have a strong family. It's it's something that I always believed in. And personal um, level, I've, I went through a very difficult three, three years, which... Uh, Having the family beside me, having the, the right people beside me helped me to survive and, and still, be, still be alive. So that just can tell you how, how important the family is uh, for me and how I cherish my family. Yeah, do you mind me asking a couple of questions about that period in your time? Because I remember watching you at the time. So was it, I can't, can't remember times, was it, were you being tested? Because it was Arsenal, you, it was your last game, wasn't it? Arsenal away. Yeah. Arsenal away. We um a couple of weeks before that there was a Muamba Muamba situation. Uh, so every club was uh, was asked to test and make sure that everybody got through different testing about their hearts and uh, understand you know insurances and everything all the carry on. But before Arsenal game, I I, I was actually okay. I, I I was training. I didn't feel anything anything going wrong. The day of uh, the, the two days before that, my my little boy had a temperature, so. Uh, I, I didn't pay a notice or anything that I felt. The day before the game, everything was all, was okay. We were down in London. Again, we, we had a good laugh with the with the boys. We were in the hotel. But and the next morning, I, I woke up a little bit drained. I woke up a little bit of uh, feeling fatigue. Uh, nothing special. I mean, Gilberto, you know, we are, we've played through temperatures. We've played through fatigues. We've played through tiredness, through through soreness. So it was something that usually, as a, as a player, you don't pay attention. I yeah, didn't I yeah, after well, <laughs> I'm always tired. Put it that way. <laughs> but it was nothing. Nothing that ringing the bells. Nothing that it was alarming. Um, so the game, we went to the game. Everything was okay. The adrenaline was was kicking in. I was ready. I was prepared. Alex McLeish was uh, the manager. And I've always, uh, Mikel Arteta was still playing. So I always uh, loved playing with him because we always had the rivalry between Celtic and Rangers. He played for Rangers, I played for Celtic. So obviously after that, I played uh, against him when he was at Everton. So I always loved challenging myself against him. I always wanted to give him a hard hard game. So that game, uh, the first half, the game started. But I remember um, Gal Clichy scored the first goal and, I made the mistake. Literally, I my muscles stopped working. My brain was my brain was was not in the game. I, I felt that something in my body is not right. I couldn't I couldn't get closer to to Mikel. I usually on his face. I I knew how he was playing. I I didn't want to give him time to get on the ball to pick the right passes to start the attacks with the 
for the, for the team. So I was miles away from him. I was literally miles away from him. First half, he was a nightmare. The boys were on my back. Um, usually I push them to to do the right things, to play the right way, to win. Uh, but this time, like they were talking to me, and I didn't want to hear that. I just didn't want to didn't want to hear what they're saying because I knew there's something wrong. So halftime, halftime we still go. We walk in. The boys are still going on. I, I remember James James Collins uh, was still there. Stand, what's happening? Uh, you know, we 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 one nil down. Come on, we need to get better. What's happening with you? You know, in the game. So that that, that was the time we we walk into the tunnel, and I'm thinking something's not right here. And I, you know what, you would never think that it's something that, you know, is going to be uh, life-threatening uh, in a couple of days' time. Blue or something like this, maybe. Yeah, you would think it's something. You, you're just having a day, uh, one, one of these uh, days that you, you just you just don't feel right. And uh, we walk in and, and literally, you know, sometimes you just you just don't think that you think that something is not right in your head. And I just start stripping and I, I just wanted to, uh, the boys on the my back. They were like, "Stan, what's happening? You should have done better for the for the first goal. You could have uh, blocked it. Usually gone and tackle it." And I said, "I just, I just had the chance. Just went, guys. I don't think I'm right. I, I think I should come off." And that's where the boys were like, they jumped in. They were like, "No, you can't leave us now. Uh, obviously, we were in a difficult situation. I think we were, we were at the bottom." And um, they were like, "No." And then Alex McLeish was like, "Stan, no, you have to stay with the boys." And then we kept, we kept arguing and rather than talking about the game we kept arguing about me and I was literally naked I was naked because I didn't want to go in I remember the kitman taking the the kit you know wet kit off there and taking away so all the boys were jumping in and I want us so that I'm looking and sitting naked in the middle of everyone and I'm thinking I can and then he's um uh, Alex McLeish went, you know what? I know you want to come off, but if you change your mind and you want to go back in, I'm happy for you to go back in. And and then it's one of these moments that adrenaline and I know everybody was on my back and I went, okay, okay, I'll go. And Kitman, whose name was Ian. Ian, get me some kit. I'm, go, I'm going back in. To be honest, guys, I went back in the second half. I was just running. But my head, you know, when your head is not right and you you know that something is going on, that something is not right. I just, I, I was there. We lost the game and uh, I, I wasn't there at all. And, and then after the game, it's familiar enough. Obviously, I sweat out and maybe I felt a little bit better. I did my cold bath uh, recovery because we have Chelsea and the following week. And we went we went on a bus and that's where I felt really, really bad. I felt like... I'm, I'm getting a temperature and I felt like I'm really tired and fatigued and I'm thinking something's not right. So halfway, I was thinking I won't say anything we lost and obviously we had the the, the issue or the halftime. I didn't want to raise that I've got a problem or anything, but the longer we went, I, I felt more fatigued and more tired. So I went to the doc, to, to the doctor in McGuinness and I said, doc, listen, I, something's not right. I think I've got temperature. I, I feel very weak. So he got the temperature. I was like 30, 37.8 or 37.9. So it was nothing major. So he said to me, take this paracetamol and get this antibiotic in case uh, you develop something and just, just replace next next week. So make sure we, we, we cover ourselves. So I said, okay, I'll do that. So I went back home. Uh, I was really tired. I went straight to bed. Uh, and on a Tuesday, we had the heart tests. By doing that, the doctor said, let's just do random blood test by doing the random blood tapes by cutting the, the long story short by the thursday afternoon i was diagnosed with leukemia acute lymphoblastic leukemia which is uh, 
a leukemia, which you can see more with the kids or very uh, elderly pe people, not at my age, which is the, the, the cancer in your blood. So it kills your immune system, literally. Uh, so I was told that how we, 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 I went for a couple more tests. Uh, I had a bone marrow test. They confirmed it. And they said to me, you have to start the treatment now. I mean, I'm playing against Arsenal, yeah. playing in front of 60, 70,000. All of a sudden, you've been told that you've got leukemia, you've got cancer, uh, you have to start treatment, you can't train anymore. I was looking through the room. Uh, my wife was crying. The doctor and the two physios were looking down. The doctor, uh, he wasn't saying anything. And I'm like, going, hold on a second. <laughs> what do you mean I have to start a treatment now? What about second opinion? What about what's happening if you're wrong? He said, no, we're pretty sure it's 99.9 .9 that you're wrong. So I've managed to speak with Matthew O'Neill, who's the, the, the manager at Sunderland that time. His wife went through a completely different, again, uh, a cancer, but completely different. He always spoke very highly of a professor who looked after her. I managed to get him. Uh, I managed to get the, the number. In the space of an hour and a half from Birmingham out down to London, I had another test, second opinion. And by, by the evening, I started uh, treatment for uh, leukemia, which first week was uh, high dose of, of steroids. And I was, I was told that I have to forget about football for a couple months. Not about how long and what the procedure will be for a couple months. And that's why my journey started. Amazing, man. It's, um, so do you think... Sorry, I got a little bit... <laughs> um, caught up a little My My father um, has recently just been bowel cancer. So um, it's kind of emotional for me. And I've also got one of my friends, um, his five-year-old son is fighting leukemia as well at the moment. So I just kind of just kind of hit me a little bit there. So my apologies. I don't normally have much more fun on this thing. But you obviously had a great news and you're 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 with us today, which is the main thing. So it's so, so strange that you went from feeling a little bit crap, and then four days later you were told you had leukemia. So do you think because you were doing these random tests, they got it really early? Or was it was something because you were an athlete, you were naturally quite fit. So you were fighting it all. Do you know? I think I was just lucky. I just, I think that test, uh, you know, sometimes we've got our destinations and our moments in life. I think that was mine. Football was taken away from me, but probably would give me a chance to leave uh, because I was, uh, I was diagnosed very early by a look, by what happened with Muamba. And obviously the doctor uh, wanted to do uh, a random uh, a blood test at that day. You can bear in mind that at that time I was negotiating a, a, another three-year contract with um, with Aston Villa. We were planning how my retirement will go. What I, I was obviously 32, so we were thinking of what's going to happen, how everything will proceed, where we'll go on holidays uh, as a family. And two, da two days later, we, we were in the hospital. Two days later, everything's turned around. Yeah. Uh, following, following three years, I had 14 months of very intense chemotherapy. I went through a very difficult emotional times period. I went to dark places uh, mentally. I was unstable for, for many times. I had so many arguments with my wife. I have stopped my treatment in the last phase because I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, my wife and my kids and my mom and dad have seen me in a state that nobody should see their kids uh, or their parents or uh, whatever you, you want to call it. It was an incredible journey for us together as a, as a family. Uh, I had to work a lot with my kids about their mental approach, their mental health, because obviously my kids were younger 
and they were growing up. So most of the time they've seen the news about Stelian Petro uh, fighting cancer or Stelian Petro surviving rather than seeing what their dad achieved as a, as a footballer or the, his goals or his, his good moments. Yeah. So it was really difficult for me to explain to them. I'm really glad because my son turned turn up uh, 18 a couple of days ago. Uh, I'm still here. I can still see him grow, make mistakes, guide him, mentor him, help him to, to become better better man and uh, well, a better person to, to give him a little bit of advice as well. And I just enjoy every day, guys. I mean, yeah. Tim, you know, uh, you, you've been through it. We all have somebody who's been touched with uh, yeah. uh, cancer around us. And you know how difficult. You don't affect just people that fight it. You affect everybody that associated with that person. I had the pleasure to be supported for, through millions, through, through the football world, which not many people have that. Many people fight those battles on their own. So I had that support, that positivity, that positive energy. So I'm, I'm really glad. And I'm really glad that I've been through it. And now I can help others to go through the, these uh, dark moments because they are dark moments to go through it, fight through it and become idolized from others as well. Yeah, because I remember, didn't they, when you, didn't you go back to a game and at the 19th minute, so you're on the night, seen all the fans clapped. And didn't they do that for every home game? Or I can't. I remember. Some, I remember it was nine years ago now. So that was a long time ago. The, 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 the Villa fans, the Celtic fans. Uh, I think Montana, CSK. They've done it through uh, through a uh, few seasons. Uh, they've done it in the 90th minutes, home or away games, which uh, it was it was incredible to see. I mean. Most of my moments in the hospital, I couldn't remember. I had very high dose of uh, chemotherapy. I, I had moments that I can't, I can't remember. I mean, I'm, I still try to remember uh, certain things with my wife who came to see me, who I've been speaking to. I've been sleeping for weeks because this, this is what uh, high dose of chemotherapy does. Uh, and you know what? It's a moment that you see uh, who you are and what you're made of. People talk about, did I have... Peers, did I, did I ask the question, I'm going to die? Of course, everybody does that. If somebody say you don't, it's, it's, it's lying. It's yeah. every, every day. But you know what? Uh, sometimes we pull these fake masks, not just through difficult battles, but obviously athletes and people around the world, you, you don't want to show your weakness. You don't want to show that it's something that is hurting you inside. This is where the mental... You know, sometimes uh, I speak about mental pressure with um, with people, and I say, "Have you experienced it?" No, said that you don't know what you're talking about. You haven't seen it. You you don't know what you experience. So it's Sorry. it's it's a dark place. It was a dark place for me. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Some people don't don't want to accept their vulnerability. Sometimes, you know. But uh, uh, you know, I asked before about the family because uh, you mentioned the family importance of them. Uh, you know, of the past year for you in your life, and uh, not only football, but in your life in general. And this in this tough time you face, you know, you understood that I believe much much better how important they were to you, uh, your family, close friends, and um, then you you have the opportunity to help foundation. What is the lesson, Cillian? Uh, you can, you know, what have you learned in all this time, especially in this, would like to share with us, you know, because this for us, I, I believe would be important for us to, to learn some, you know, special, special, you know, words to describe, you know, the, the, what you have learned to would like to share with us. Enjoy your life, guys. Appreciate every single thing in life because I learned one thing. When I, I wasn't ready to lose my life. 
I wasn't to to lose the people that I love. I wanted to fight with everything I had in me. I went through pain. I went through dark places. I uh, I can say here, I put myself, I paid myself. I've made myself, you know, weak. Uh, I had to stand brave. But I appreciate every single every single moment in your life because it was closer to be taken away from me. And I cherish every single moment. So what I'll say, it's, it's a very simple thing. And people will be looking for a big words. I don't say a big words because I enjoy every moment. Enjoy your waking up in the morning. Enjoy your, your kids. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the people that, that you love because you still got the chance to stand and, and see them every day. I, I was in a position where I didn't know if that was going to be possible. So even to, the, to this day, I appreciate every day. I wake up every day. I mean, You've seen me uh, 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 so many times. I, I always smile. I always enjoy. I have to. I have to because I never forget. I can't forget. And it's going to be something that I have to carry with me all my life. But I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to do that and to show others that appreciating life and being alive is the best thing. Absolutely. Well, it's pleased you came through. Otherwise, yeah. this podcast will be a little bit boring. Um... <laughs> <laughs> good things for us to learn and then share you have uh, spoke a little bit you know about uh, when i ask about uh, returning to the clubs you know like you, you played you managed them at some point and uh, you know it's talking about uh, the, the retired post career post football career as me and you who we are now <laughs> having our challenges um any when you look look back you know because we are in this, this transition process now we are, let's say, figure out what we are going to do properly. Maybe we have something in mind. Maybe I, I have now, maybe I changed some point, but uh, never mind. Looking back, there is any regret or what I have done as a player? Oh, as a player. I, yeah. would, have, I would have prepared myself for that transition because uh, I know that it would, the football was taken away from me and I had to do it in a, deep, uh, in a harder, harder way. But I would have prepared my, myself better. Um, I mean, I found out that my uh, my transition and my uh, retirement, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't prepared. Uh, if I had any any, reg any regrets, will be not getting better as a person, indiv individual. Because as a player, I've become better. But as individual, it's something that I wanted to become after. I never pay attention to it. And this is something that I regret. I had so much time. I always found excuses not to do it. So if I have regret, it's paying attention to what I want to become afterwards. Because, you know, you better people say we've got time. I didn't have time. It came too quick. It came too quick. So if I have a regret, I would be what I would want to become after. Because I, I know what I want to become. I know what I had to do. I know what my purpose was. Purpose was so I I had to. I'll probably regret that I didn't prepare myself for that uh, retirement. One question we always ask our guests is, um, what's the obviously one of the main things that everyone misses is the changing room, the banter in the changing room or the locker room. Um, what's the best joke you saw someone play on somebody else during your time as a football player? Oh wow! Oh wow! I've, I've listen, guys. I've seen it all. I've wow. seen. <laughs> I won't mention my name. I've, uh, listen, I've, uh, I've, like I said, I've, I've been in a great uh, dressing room with some great banter. I've seen all sorts of things. I think people filling up uh, cars with uh, with cones. I've seen people cutting trousers. I've seen people uh, wetting uh, all the tracksuit that people come to to training ground. 
I've seen all sorts. I've, I mean, wh- wh- where should I start? But this is this is part of the dressing room. This is the yeah. banter. This is what we miss. This is this is why a lot of footballers want to become coaches because it's the closest thing uh, as a player. You're still in the dressing room. You're still on the pitch. You're around the boys. So that's why a lot of us say, no, coaching will be great. Yeah, but it, not everybody can be. And we do miss it. So if I need to say about jokes, there's so many. But choose, choose the best still- one because we had one from, you don't have to mention any players' names. So Rue told us a story. We think it was in Chelsea, but uh, basically one of his teammates got a new car. And when it got delivered, two players went in and put two herrings. Herrings are like the smelliest fish in England. And they hid herrings in the gearbox that were never found. So basically this brand new car was ruined. And Rudolf was basically trying to tell the story, but laughing with tears coming down his face. So he couldn't tell it. So you don't have to mention names or clubs so they can stay anonymous. But if you can think of the funniest, or maybe the most awful one. I apologise today. If I need to pick one, I'll put a nasty one. I've seen a, a, a player to to pull in somebody's pocket and let him go home with the poo in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I won't mention I won't mention the name, but I, I'll tell you it's 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 happened. He 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 always going on. It's uh you know some people find it disgusting, some people find it a banter. You've seen uh, different people, but I, I'll pick that one and I'll, I'll leave it out there. <laughs> it's pretty bad. I'm guessing that was in Celtic. <laughs> I can't tell you. Said no names, no no teams, so I can't tell you. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll, I'll probably I'll probably. I'll probably be chased for that one. <laughs> I'll leave it. That's, that's, I don't think we need any more information or an explanation about that. Yeah, I think that's quite clear. Yeah, it, it says exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to go from there with that. I wasn't expecting that. I don't know what, what question you could follow up with that, Gilberto. Well, yeah, you know what? If, don't ask the question if you're not prepared <laughs> yeah, for an answer. You're absolutely right. If you don't want the answer, don't ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, he's very well prepared, my friend. Cillian's very well prepared. <laughs> Cillian, uh, you know, we are coming to an end, uh, very close now. We are holding you for quite a long time. I want to leave you to rest, to, to leave you in peace in a few minutes. But before, tell us a little bit about player for player. What is player for player? Uh, player for player is a player-led initiative. It started on, uh, one, uh, on the MIP. Gilberto, I mean, you talked about it a few times about what it is. Uh, we just try to help players to create better opportunity, to become stronger, to have a voice, to be prepared for every stage of their career. Sometimes as a player, we, we, we receive a lot from football. So us as individuals, people around MIP, people around football, we want to help others not to make the mistakes we made. So we try to guide them, mentor them, and create those opportunities for them and make sure that they realize how strong they can they can become because we as a players and I don't know if you're gonna agree with that but we we uh, develop great values great skills throughout our career as individuals and as a players but we don't realize how powerful they are and how we can uh, transform these uh, these skills and values into different businesses, into different side of football, business side, administration side. That's why we, we're going through all the coaching budgets. That's why we're going through educational courses to be stronger, to be better, to make football in a better way. So player for player stand for one thing is help others. Help others become better, stronger and have a voice to achieve what they want to achieve because not many players out there understand and realize how powerful they can be. How, they, how people... Uh, if they want to get some information, how they can find 
They can go through website www.playerforplayer.com. They can see what we can what we can do, how we can help, what services we can offer, and how they can get in touch with us. It's very simple. They just have to click. <laughs> Oh, you want okay. to have any other questions? I think I'm still Please. reading from the poo question, so. <laughs> <laughs> my, last, my last one to let you go. Uh, okay. What would Stilian would say to Stilian when you were... If you could tell your younger self something, what would that be? And now he stole it from me and asked all the guests and he says it before I get a chance to answer it. So I'm happy that your Wi-Fi failed and I get to ask it for once. What do I tell young yeah. Stilian? Yeah. Walk, yeah. walk that journey every step of the way. Don't regret anything. Good. Nice. Love it. Thank you, guys. Thank Pleasure. Stephen. Cheers, sir. You, thank you very much for the love story, you know, fantastic story you told us, you know. It's always a pleasure. See you. I'm glad. Team. Speak again. All the best to you. Team, and thank you. Thank you, guys. Pleasure. No worries, mate. Great to meet you, Stephen. Yeah. Bye-bye.